Well, ladies and gentlemen, it was looking good for the Jets for a while. Now, should we be asking some questions about Zach Wilson? And I'd be remiss if we didn't get into what was probably, not probably, definitely the most active NFL trade deadline day in history. And of course, I never do this alone because I'm not good enough. I got to bring in the big guns. And that's my man, Mr. Trey Wingo. Trey, uh, did you miss me last week? Yeah. I did. In fact, we, we talked about it a lot, how you sort of quit during the season oh, and wow. took time okay. off. So, yeah, we, yeah. we missed you and we made note of your absence in, in many, many, many ways. So, yeah, yeah you were yeah. missed. OK, yeah. I'm awesome. You know, yeah. OK, well, on that note, let's uh, let's get right into it. Uh, our, our first segment. Uh, uh, actually, before I do that, I want to let everybody know that um Pro Football Network, we have worked hours and tirelessly on a full feature-length documentary. It's our first one ever, Trey. It's our, our inaugural full feature-length documentary. Uh, is entitled Hopeful, and it is a documentary that is all about NFL fans. Every year we hope to do one of these highlighting a fan base, and it just so happens this year we highlighted the Cleveland Browns. And, and Trey, this is the graphic we're showing to the nation. We got a special one for Browns fans. Brian, can you pull that one up? Yeah, there you um, go. yeah, that's uh, that that was pretty much the message we got from the Browns fans we spoke to. A lot of documentaries out there, Trey, talk a lot about players, the game, the history, so on and so forth. Not a lot focused on the fans themselves. And that's what we aim to do here with Hopeful, the psychology of being a Browns fan. And my Lord, Trey, we've talked about enough of the reasons that keep these guys up at night, huh? Yeah, we have. Uh, and uh, they turned it around on Monday night. Uh, mm -hmm. The Browns won their fifth straight game over the uh, over the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow has won exactly zero games as a starting quarterback uh, against the Cleveland Browns, and the Bengals still haven't won a road Monday night playoff game or one Monday night primetime game or Monday night game on the road uh, since 1990 when Boomer Esiason was their starting quarterback. Nine straight wow. uh, road Monday night back. losses. Yeah, so all back. Well, look, guys, the, the documentary is free for everybody. Uh, and to get to it is real simple. Profootballnetwork.com slash hopeful. That's it. Profootballnetwork.com slash hopeful. Go check it out now. A lot of work went into it. And uh, I, I think it came out amazing. It gives me a lot of hope for what we can do some more of these things in the future. Let's get to our first segment. Uh, Trey, it's time to learn, man. It's time to learn. And after every week, there's so much for us to learn. And the first thing I want to ask you here. Is, uh, Wait, before we go any further, before we go any further, I, I just learned looking at the shot that my sign is not correct. So let me, let me fix that real quick. Oh, there. that's better. I learned something there. So that was what I learned. And there what the go. audience learned is the devil's in the details and Trey doesn't miss those. All right. So correct. catch that. So uh, listen, um, we, we've all wondered, you know, is Zach Wilson ready to take the next step? Is he ready to be the guy? And if he's not, should we be seeing Joe Flacco here? And got, this week, Trey, they moved Joe Flacco down to number three and Michael White up to number two, uh, kind of cementing Zach Wilson's place there. So true or false, Joe Flacco should be the starter for the Jets if they want to keep their playoff hopes alive. Yes, true. Um, look, they're not going to do it for a variety of reasons because they've committed to Zach Wilson two years after they committed or three years after they committed to Sam Darnold. Uh, with a top five draft pick in the quarterback position. But it's not a not a debate. It's not an opinion. It's not a take. It's a fact that Joe Flacco right now is a better quarterback for the New York Jets uh, than Zach Wilson. You know, he threw his first touchdown pass in four games uh, in the loss over in the loss to the Patriots. 
Joe Flacco has five touchdown passes in much uh, less uh, or much more limited time rather playing quarterback. The the Jets are in this quandary, uh, which is where, you know, we have two sort of conflicting agendas. We want to build the team. We want to build the program. We want to make sure that we have our guys in place for the future. But you got to win football games and you have an opportunity potentially to sneak into the postseason this year. And Zach Wilson is holding you back. He's holding them back. I, I don't think that's a, a a really hot take in any way, shape, or form. Joe Flacco gives the Jets the best chance to win every week. And the question is, are the Jets thinking about winning every week? Or are they thinking about securing the pick that they took mm. uh, with, with Zach Wilson wow. a couple of years ago? What's 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 the bigger priority? Yeah. Because it's it's not... Like statistically, it's not close. I'm not saying Zach Wilson can't get better, and I'm not saying down the road he won't be better. But right now, you have a team that's ready to win, and they lost Brees Hall, who was the the linchpin of that offense. Yep, he was the reason they were winning games. Zach Wilson was just there, and then Zach Wilson on Sunday was one of the big reasons why they lost the game, the 13th straight game, by the way to the New England Patriots. So oh. yeah, they they have to figure some stuff out because their best opportunities to succeed, and, not, and I'm not sure quite frankly if they have a better opportunity to succeed this week against Buffalo, but their best opportunity to succeed towards the postseason this season is Joe Flacco at quarterback. And when they drop him to number three, and Joe was asked about that today, he said, yeah, I, was yeah. Like, I wasn't now, no one told me that at all. That tells you that they are all in on trying to make sure Zach Wilson becomes what they hope he will be. Hope, yeah. Which is, which is a, a really different uh, sort of message than, hey, we got to win games. It is. And it's, it's fascinating to me that it's one thing to say we're going to move forward with Zach Wilson. It's an entirely different thing to actively move Joe Flacco down a spot on the depth yeah. chart, right? That goes to exactly what you're yeah. saying, which is we are going to let Zach know we're a hundred percent behind him. This reminds me of the opposite. You remember when the, you know, a couple of years ago, when Tua was a rookie, Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah. had the dolphins in contention through four or five, six games. And then they yeah. made the move to Tua. And, and the, the thought was they gave up on the season for Tua. It's like the reverse of that. Yeah, and 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 you know, part of that was Ryan got COVID down the stretch and couldn't come bail out to it when they needed one more win to potentially get into the postseason. That's right. That's right. Uh, weirdly enough, against Buffalo, where you know Ryan spent a few years, but um, yeah, it's look. <laughs> the end of the day, as a head coach, your job is to win football games. Right. That's yeah. the only thing that matters. It's not a try hard league. It's a win league. <laughs> but for the for the general manager and the front office and ownership. It's about building a long-term program. So right now, what you have it are two sort of conflicting opinions, and right. and the building the long-term success uh, arm is is weighing out, which might be at the expense of what potentially could happen for the Jets this season. Yeah. Well, look, let's let's continue this idea of it not being a try-hard league because one team that has tried hard when they had some adversity of losing Dak Prescott, the Dallas Cowboys. And yeah. they have kept themselves right in the thick of everything, despite the fact that Philadelphia Eagles have been undefeated. The Dallas Cowboys aren't far behind. Trey, true or false, the Cowboys are the Eagles' biggest threat to NFC supremacy. 
Um, yeah, I think so. Look, I, Minnesota is weird, right? I mean, they just made the trade, and we'll get into that a little later for TJ Hawkinson. Um, all they do is win. Uh, they're never really like convincing in their wins. Um, you know, they they were up big on the on the Bears a few few weeks back and had to hang on. Uh, they had to hang on against Arizona. Uh, they they've sort of had to hang. Even week one, you know, they got up big on the Packers and the Packers sort of crept back into the game. They had to hang on for that game. Here's the deal with Dallas: their defense is legitimate. They have playmakers at every level, whether it's the front four the linebacking core, or the secondary. Now you add in Dak Prescott, who finally looks like last year's Dak Prescott. You know, he was rusty week one, then got hurt. And in the win over the Lions, he did not play well for the first two and a half quarters and then sort of worked off the rust and played well enough to move them down the field. And then they scored 40-plus points uh, against the Bears. Now, granted, one of those was a Michael Parsons return. I understand that. But that's still 42 points for a team that had scored, what, more, no more than 23, I think, if I'm not mistaken, or 27 in any other game this year. Um, so when you have a healthy and and rust, unrusty Dak Prescott with Michael Gallup, who's now back, and C.D. Lamb, and Dalton Schultz is there, and uh, you have all these things going, the Cowboys present problems. What's really interesting about Dallas is that they rolled the Bears without Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. Tony yeah. Pollard should be the featured back in Dallas anyway. Thank you. Know, you. It, uh, in, in games where he gets at least 15 touches, which is rushing attempts and receptions, there ain't no uh, in, in Tony Pollard's career. And, oh, by the way, in those eight games, they've averaged 37 points per game. That is not to say that Ezekiel Elliott can't contribute to the Dallas Cowboys. He does things – well, he's a great blitz pickup guy. He runs tough yards, but Tony Pollard runs tough yards for the tackles too, and he's more explosive. Like, you know, Jerry Jones said at the beginning of the year, um, the Cowboys offense will go through Ezekiel Elliott. Why? Why <laughs> should the Cowboys offense go through Ezekiel? Because you're paying him that much money? Because That's it, you made a, you made a foolish decision on a contract? Because yeah. the numbers tell you that that absolutely the offense should not go through Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott can be a part of a very productive offense uh, in in Dallas, but Tony Pollard is the guy. Tony Pollard is the dude. And the sooner the Cowboys realize that, then they'll really be a threat to Philadelphia and Minnesota and everybody else. I couldn't agree more. Jerry said it again this week that it's still Zeke's, you know, show and it will go as Zeke goes. And, and it's really what you just said. It's sunken cost fallacy, right? They, yeah. They've invested all this money. They're going to ride it out and, and, and hope for the best. But trade the numbers, and you're so good at giving us these, these context clues, we'll call them. But these numbers are, I mean, 8-0 averaging 37 points. They scored 49 points last week. They were averaging, and yeah. I, I understand Dak wasn't there, but they're averaging 19 points a game up until they scored 49 points. Dak is great. He's not 30 points difference great, right? No, Dak, well, listen, uh, Dak is probably 10-point difference in that offense as opposed to Cooper Rush, but when you combine Dak with the explosiveness – Right. of Tony Pollard and right. the move like forget the long run that that first touchdown where he cut three times and just left people in their wake that's what he can do uh you know and Zeke can still again be a, a incredible contributor but there's no reason to think we have to funnel everything th- through Zeke unless you're looking at it through financial goggles yeah very very well said well look p- part of the financial goggles that goes on in the nfl is when and when not to move on from players or when and yep. when not to move on from coaches and that brings me to this next point in our segment here which is 
well, who had been a media darling. We opened up the season, you and I, talking about, and you said it again, uh, related to, to coaching. It's about wins. And at yeah. some point, the sound bites, the hard knocks, the, the toughness doing the drills and the up-downs with the team, at some point, that's got to lead to wins. So yeah. far, it hasn't. True or false, Trey, Dan Campbell could be done in Detroit. Listen, I, I'm not a big fire coach guy, you know, like – because I understand their ramifications, not only for him, but the rest of the coaching staff when that happens. But at the end of the day, they're just not getting it done. You know, like at the end of Hard Knocks, there was that great long pause where the producers asked, you know, who are the Detroit Lions? And Dan took a long time to answer that question. And he went through, a, you know, the thought process. He didn't say anything for a long time. And they left it all complete, which was really good, compelling drama and TV. And he finally came up with the Detroit Lions are the team that can and will well so far this season the Detroit Lions are the team that can't and won't and that's that's the bottom line they have one win they have one win they're basically on pace for another three 13 and one season and go look at the numbers for Jim Caldwell okay when he was the head coach of the Lions go look at the number I think they were 36 and 28 uh, under Jim Caldwell I may be a little off there the point is they were well over 500 in the Matt Patricia slash Dan Campbell era, they're not close to being anywhere near 500. They fired Jim Caldwell for not winning 10, 11 games every year. And they can't win five a year since they got rid of Jim Caldwell. So yeah, it's wins and losses. It, it Nothing else matters. And Dan knows this as well as anyone being a former player and an assistant coach who's bounced around. If you don't get the job done, you don't have the job anymore. Yeah. And right now, barring a miraculous turnaround, uh, they, they're not going to get the job done. I call them the Detroit Lions because there is no D. <laughs> there is no D. I love that. Lions, okay. I love that. Like, I, I, you know, everyone's freaking out about the numbers that Tua put up last week against the Lions. And I'm like, it's the Lions. You know, yeah. I mean, like they're, they're, they're a come on in, whatever you need, defense. That's who they are. They're DFL dead last in terms of points allowed per game. So um, you can we can marvel at Tua and Jalen and Tyreek for all the other games. I'm not going to get carried away by the things they did against the Lions because everybody does this against the Lions. Yeah, the the Lions. I mean, they they jumped out to a 14-0 lead in that game last week against yep. Miami. Gave it yep. right up immediately. Um, they were in that 50 point shootout or four, you know, near 50 point shootout with the Seahawks early in the game, 48, uh, 40 something. Yeah. 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 And by the way, your, your Jim, Jim Caldwell Lions record was spot on 36 and 28 was his record. Yeah. Uh, well, well done there though. No surprise. Um, look, you mentioned, you mentioned Tyreek Hill. Let's get into him for a second. Cause Tyreek Hill is on pace for a unheard of receiving season in the NFL. Correct. And, um, a lot of the conversation about his offseason trade to the Miami Dolphins from the Kansas City Chiefs was how do the Chiefs replace Tyreek Hill and <laughs> a separate conversation, could Tyreek Hill uh, not be as good without Patrick Mahomes? So I'm going to ask the reverse of those questions here to you, Trey. True or false? Tyreek Hill is better without the Kansas City Chiefs and the Kansas City Chiefs are better without Tyreek Hill. Well, let, let's take it. Uh, let's take the first question. Tyreek Hill is better without the Kansas City Chiefs. I think Tyreek Hill is better because Jalen Waddell is the other receiver. 
Like, with all due respect to Mikkel Hardman and Byron Pringle and Demarcus Robinson, ain't none of those guys Jalen Waddle. Okay, so I'm not taking anything away from Tyreek, but yes, Tyreek Hill is better. Uh, how did you phrase this? Is better without Kansas City because he has Jalen Waddle on the other side. Yeah, right. Like it, it's always interesting when you you'll you find out who a real number one wide receiver is is when you take away uh, one of the options, right? There there've been a million receivers that have looked really, really good when they were not being asked to be the guy that beats double teams. And they were the guy that benefited from the other wide receiver getting double teams. And suddenly when that wide receiver left and they were the one that had to beat double teams and they weren't getting single coverage anymore. Those wide receivers were never as good. <laughs> well, when you have Jalen Waddle opposite you, who the hell are you going to double? Right. You know, and then you have Gasecki underneath. Right. So uh, because of the, the other wide receiver in Miami, yes, I think Tyreek Hill is better uh, out of Kansas city than he is now based, based on the team construct. Um, now, the other thing is absolutely true. The Chiefs are better without Tyreek Hill for a variety of reasons. Number one, just the whole, I think they got a first, a second, a fourth, and a fifth, if I'm not mistaken. I, they got I might whole. be off on, yeah. They got way more than the Packers got for Devontae Adams. So the Chiefs yep. took a bunch of draft picks for Tyreek Hill. And I'm just going to speak facts, right? The yeah. Chiefs have the number one scoring offense in the NFL without Tyreek Hill. Fact. Uh, last season, the Chiefs, averaged for the year for the season they were 24th in the nfl in terms of a 30 yard number of 30 yard plays or more without tyreek hill this year they're sixth they are incredibly more explosive without tyreek hill than they were with tyreek hill uh the chiefs have three 40 point games in the nfl no one else has more than one Two of the Chiefs' 40-point games came against the Bucs, who at that time were the number one scoring defense in the NFL. And their last game before the bye was against the 49ers, who had some yep. injuries, I understand, but they were the second-best scoring defense in the NFL. But um, Nick Bosa played in that game, Trey. Nick Bosa did play in that game. And by the way, I'm glad you mentioned that because Andy Reid and his brilliance was on display courtesy of Nick Bosa in that game. It was, I think, at that point, a one-score game uh, in the third. Uh, and, you know, it had gotten tight, and it was a third and 20. And they dialed up the most perfect screen I could ever see. Jarek McKinnon, the running back, was lined up outside, and it looked like for all the world his job was to block Nick Bosa. Yeah, His real job was to make Bosa think his job was to block <laughs> Nick Bosa. And yep. let him slip by him. So, you know, he he does a little something and Bosa goes right by him. And I'm sure Bosa's mind, he's saying, I've won the rep. I'm coming to the quarterback. Oh, yeah. Third and 20, sack, maybe strip fumble. We're back in this game. Well, well Jarek's not a big as, guy, right? No, Jarek's not no. a big guy. not intimidating. As, no, as soon as McKinnon was like, oh, I, I whiffed. All he did was turn around, <laughs> right? He didn't move. He didn't run downfield. He just turned around. Mahomes slung it sidearms right around Bosa. And they had three or four offensive linemen down the field. I think they picked up 46 yards on that play. So yeah. the, the, the point I'm making here is that when you mentioned Bosa, it was the perfect example of why the Chiefs are as good as they are right now. 
In that game, they converted a third and 20, which led to a touchdown. They converted a third and 11 to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, which led to another touchdown. And the last touchdown they scored was like on a 40-yard pass play on a third and six. Like third and long is the down where everyone else suffers and the Chiefs thrive, especially against the 49ers. So, you know, we talked about this uh, before the season began. Because of Juju and Marquez Valdez-Scantling and all – and. Mecole Hardman, and even Watson, who had a touchdown in the game against Kansas City and has had some in spot duty. Sky Moore has been a disappointment, no question about it. Based on, yeah, based on the preseason hype that was coming in, right? Yeah, they got to find a way to get him more involved. But there are so many other ways the Chiefs can attack you now. It used to be clog the middle, don't let Travis Kelsey beat us, and then let's, uh, you know, too too high safety over the top, make sure Tyreek doesn't blow the lid off off the defense. Yep. Can't do that anymore. You know, the proof is in the pudding. There have only been nine 40-point games in the NFL, and the Chiefs have three of them. Yes, they do. And uh, don't forget Isaiah Pacheco, the seventh-round rookie who who's Great. shown some really good stuff. Great pick. I mean, we talked – and what we talked about at that time, Trey, was Brett Veach, the general manager there, understanding the value in roster construction and putting together yeah. a complete – a complete roster there. And you mentioned the screens, our good friend, Jeff Schwartz, uh, who played for Andy briefly in Kansas city. His brother was an all pro for Andy in Kansas city. He repeatedly will tell you Andy Reid is the best screen game designer in the NFL. Uh, It's not close. And and for all the reasons you mentioned, and I think to your point, not having to funnel the ball to Tyreek allows that to even come out in bigger, bigger spurts. Andy could be even more creative with the play calling with all the options that are there now. So um, yeah, it, it's, it's been fascinating, but like you said, on the other side of that, because Jalen models there, you can't go too high with both no. model and, and, no. uh, and Tyreek. You're screwed. There. You're screwed. You're screwed. So yeah. Tyreek is the beneficiary putting up record numbers this year. So we'll see uh, how that goes. Um, the trait, the, the, I, I've been doing a lot of betting, as you know, with Caesars, I am really good at picking chiefs games. I am really good at picking Dolphins games. I have both of those teams on my slate. Uh, and, you know, I've been talking a lot about my new betting model that I've been using yeah. to make picks. Well, if anyone's interested, all you got to do is follow me on Picket. okay? Make sure you follow me on Picket because when you do, you'll be able to see how successful I am. You'll see how successful my model is, and you'll confirm that I place all my bets at Caesar Sportsbook for obvious reasons, wink, wink, nod, nod to my good buddy, Trey Wingo. So a lot of this is all you got to do is download Picket for free. It's not just a bet tracking app, Trey. It's a social media app. It's not yeah. just about looking at bet tracking. You can talk with an entire community of sports bettors and go through all the different things that are working for you, working for your model. All of our Pro Football Network content is there. You'll see me tweet about it. You'll see Trey tweet about it. Picket is great. Download the app for free. It's 100% free. It's 100% free to use, and if you download it for free and use promo code PFN365, give yourself a chance to win $100 just for downloading the app. So go do that now, promo code PFN365. Can I, can I tell you something real quick, by the way? You are talking about you're doing well with Chiefs games? Yeah. I have some numbers for you if you want them. Do, or do you want them now or do you want them later? You have to ask if I want the numbers, Try. Do you have to okay. ask? That's so the point. Chiefs are – the Chiefs are coming off their bye, right? Yeah. They're, they oh, have a Sunday oh. night game against the Titans. That's an Andy Reid special. By the way, uh, ridiculously, I think the Titans are a 12 and a half point underdog. I don't quite understand that. But uh, I mean, I, I guess 
I, I guess I do because the Chiefs have actually lost and failed to cover in five straight regular season games against the Titans. They got beat last up year's last year. 27 to three. That was when everyone said the Chiefs are broken. They'll never be any good again. And I was like, right. yeah, I, don't, I think you might be a little premature. Yeah. Um, so they're coming off their bye. Andy Reid in his coaching career, Philadelphia and Kansas City, is 20 and three uh, coming <laughs> off a of bye week. That is by far it's the so best stupid. record in the NFL dating back to 1990 for a head coach. Yeah. But we did some additional work and we took it one step further. Oh, yeah. In his career, Patrick Mahomes as a starting quarterback after a bye is 4-0. This will be his fifth bye game. But that's easy, right? Now coming off the bye. Yeah. We went and looked at the numbers. What happens for the Chiefs after their bye week for the rest of the season? Okay. Ooh. We've talked about them having struggles in October. You know, I think yes. they were 12 and 13 and eight now, or 13 and seven in the month of October in, in Mahomes' career as a starter. Great in September. After the Chiefs' bye week, since Patrick Mahomes took the starter, and I don't mean just the, the game after the bye week, I mean every game the rest of the season after the bye. With Patrick Mahomes as a starter, the Chiefs after the bye since 2018 are 19 and three. Take it one step further. In the last three seasons, 2019, 2020, and 2021. Right. You know what their record is after the bye? I don't 16 and one. Come on. 16 and one. The only loss after the bye the last three seasons was the game in Cincinnati last year when they oh. were up 14 points multiple times and couldn't find a way to close it out, which came back to haunt them again in the AFC in, Championship. Both season, yeah. Yeah. But that's the only loss for the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes as a starting quarterback after their bye week in the last three seasons. Uh, so, you know, the Chiefs are this team, and I, I talked about this with my friend Mark Schlereth on another show that we do, where I, I said, can you, can you give me a reason for that? And he said, yeah, I think the Chiefs get bored. I think <laughs> they come out of the gate strong. They know how good they are. They come out in September shooting crazy, and then they're like, Ugh, we got three more months. And then they take a little lull in the month of October. They take a little lull and then they realize we got to get our bleep together. And they, from November through the last week or the first week in January, are straight fire in the regular season. So I would be shocked, shocked if the Chiefs lost more than two games the rest of the way. Well, history says that uh, that's a pretty safe bet. Yeah, it's it's wild, man. These numbers are insane. There are people who are out there say, you know, everyone talks, you know, they, it's too much about the Chiefs, too much about about Patrick Mahomes. And you hear these numbers and it's like, you, we're not talking enough about the historical yeah. things that these guys are doing, things we've never, we've really never seen before. Right. Um, and it's exciting to watch. It's fun. And and by the way, if, if there was a weak spot on the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, today, it's probably the right tackle. And I, I think Someone got activated today to start practicing. Lucas Niang? Is oh, I know, I know that guy. Full disclosure for journalistic principles, uh, and I'm not a journalist, but I do uh, I do work and <laughs> train. For principles. Yeah. So just very excited to uh, see my guy back out there uh, recovering. So um, let's uh, let's hey, Trey, we we had a historic NFL trade deadline yesterday. Yeah. We're we're just a little over 24 hours removed from a ton of wheeling and dealing and our graphics team put together some incredible graphics to highlight the actual movement here. Uh Brian, let's let's take a look who who's our first uh our first trade guy to talk about. Oh, there it is. TJ. 
Wow, Mufasa. So Muf- Look at him. My God. Yeah. <laughs> did you say Mufasa? I did flowing mountain? <laughs> that's awesome. Where it is. Um, hey, so, yeah, there it is. So he's uh, that's awesome. So he's uh, he he's interdivision trade again. This goes to what are the Lions doing here? This is a piece you might think about building around. You're not supposed to be in a teardown phase going into year two, year three. You should you should be building up here. Well. Goes to Minnesota. What are, what are your thoughts on the impact uh, he's going to make there? Well, first and foremost, that might be an indication of other major changes coming in Detroit, right? Mm-hmm. Like it might, yeah. be a, might be a tip of the cards there. Um, it's an immediate impact for Minnesota because Irv Smith, uh, their tight end, is going to be out, what, eight to ten weeks with a high ankle sprain. So, you know, I, 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 give, uh, I give the Lions credit for getting a decent haul in return, but you just helped a division rival. Like, in-division trades are very rare. They happen every once in a while, but they're very, very strange, and they're very, very uh, unusual and very unique. Um, I, th- I think TJ is going to be, look, are you kidding me? Thielen on one side, Jefferson on the other, Dalvin Cook uh, in the backfield, and now you add uh, uh, TJ Hawkinson underneath. The Vikings, who just win, like they don't they do not do anything like incredibly flashy or brilliant. They, they let teams hang around. They just win. Uh, have have another opportunity and another yeah. uh, an, another weapon to add to the stable for Kirk Cousins. And it's weird with Minnesota because um, we can talk about how well they're playing and all the wins, but everyone's going to be like, yeah, until the playoffs, like show until me playoffs, because right. of because of you know the history with Kirk Cousins. So you know, and it's it's all gravy, uh, but they know that none of this matters until they get into the playoffs. But having TJ Hawkinson there now helps them get into the playoffs in a much more secure place. I like I like when a team Trey acts their record. You know, you yeah. always tell the kids act your age. Tell tell a grown man act your age. I like when they act their record. They're they're six and one, um, and they are they're moving right now. Now they're they're not special. They're not flashy. They're not doing anything. Oh, the Vikings. You know, we're not talking about them the way we talk about Philly or Dallas. But they see their record. They're losing a piece in Irv Smith. And they don't take that for granted. They go out and make a move to try to keep the momentum going that they have. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that. I don't think enough teams really do that. Um, the Rams are a team that, right, F them picks. <laughs> we're just going yeah. to go for it. And, and I like that Minnesota went ahead and did that. Uh, Brian, let's throw the next one up there. Let's take a look. At, uh, by the way, uh, actually, Brian, before you do that, if, if you haven't already, we did get a question. Usually I would save this for the fan segment, but I want this guy sure. to get his question answered early because he's here early. Um, about Dan Campbell. All right. Do we think he deserves a, another year? Because it hasn't been uh, we, you know, year three. Is this a premature decision if they move on from him, uh, given he hasn't, quote, gotten a quarterback yet? This is from a Twitter user, Tyler Tyler Ruff. So, Tyler, here's your answer. Tyler, thank you for your question. Um I want Dan Campbell to succeed. I do. I I had concerns about the hire. Um, You know, you got to win. You got to win, you know, like, again, go back and look at Jim Caldwell's record. And that wasn't good enough. And then you bring in Matt Patricia and you let him, was he there for three years or half of a third season, whatever it was, you know, And, and, I'm sorry, they've won one game and they won three last year. You got to win. So unless they don't win five or six games the remainder of the season, 
I don't see how you can keep them around. You know, yeah, you got to you got to pull the plug. And, you know, uh, Jared Goff may not be there anyway next year, regardless of, of who the head coach is. Right. And that's the thing. You go into year three, you get rid of Jared Goff, assuming or presumably you have a rookie quarterback that you're taking this year with your record. Um, you're going to, you know, maybe you're taking those picks for Hawkinson and you're going to try to move up and, or if you even have to and grab a CJ Stroud or a Bryce Young, whatever the case is now, what now does the clock reset for Campbell? You're going to give him another three years. Cause now he's got the rookie quarterback yeah. excuse. He's four 19 and one right now. That's his record. And, uh, as the great bill Parcells has said in the past, you are oh, what, what your record says you are. All right, let's throw up the next trade. Uh, I think we, I think I know what this one is. Let's see. We got, uh, yeah, it's this one. This team was active. This is another team acting your record, Trey. Uh, the yeah. Miami Dolphins seeing an opportunity here, going and getting an elite pass rusher. Is it enough, though? What are your thoughts? Well, first of all, I love them shooting, right? Yeah. Go for it. Go for it. Um, but it is funny, funny. Before the trade, the odds on Caesar Sportsbook for the Dolphins to win it all were plus 3,000. <clears> After the trade for Bradley Chubb, the Dolphins' odds to win it all at Caesar Sportsbook are plus 3,000. Ah, big move, <laughs> which is which is just a fancy way of saying nobody believes they're going to get past the Bills and the Chiefs in the postseason. Right. right? That's that's sort of what it says. I, I don't I don't mind the move. I like it. You know, go for it. Make it happen. Speak it into existence. Um, uh, but Bradley Chubb is not Von Miller. I mean, he's a good player. Really good player. He's not Von Miller. You know, he had 12 and a half sacks his rookie year, and he's never had double-digit sacks since then. He's been injured in and out. I think he had five and a half before the trade, so he's had a productive year. There's no question about it. But don't expect Von Miller-type results from Bradley Chubb going to Miami. Now, it's going to be interesting when you have Jalen Phillips on one side and Chubb on the other. I mean, they brought in Chubb to pair with Von to in Denver to sort of recreate the DeMarcus Ware Von Miller pairing that they had when they won Super Bowl 50, which was great. Um, Bradley Chubb is a really, really good player, but he, I do not think that he's going to elevate the way Von Miller elevated the Rams last year in the right. trade deadline, or the way that Von Miller is elevating uh, the Bills right now. I think he's a good piece to add to the equation. Uh, and, uh, you know, that, to me, that's, that's sort of the best way to look at it. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm interested. I, well, first of all, it's like you said, and, and like I said before, the, I love that they shot their shot, right? You, you're going yeah. for it. Um, but, and, and the books know this, you know, this, right. The, the most valuable quarterbacks moving points or moving games typically, or most valuable players tend to be quarterbacks. Excuse me. Bradley Chubb is great. Yeah. If he was that great, probably wouldn't be available. And I don't mean he's not, and I don't mean to say. Well, like, like, I, I think Denver is, they're, they're a mess. You know? They're a mess. I mean, and they're looking yeah. to, to get some cap back and do a, a number of things for sure. But I think a lot of this is what I'm interested in, in looking at in particular is can he stay healthy? This is a player who gets hurt quite a bit. Um, and so Miami has a decision to make, presumably try and correct me if I'm wrong. They're going to, I think they got to commit, you know, they, they have to figure out if they're going to sign him to an extension because he's due for an extension, right? Otherwise, this yeah. is what a half a half year rental or so. Yeah. So that's the thing I, I want to be I, I want to be mindful of and, and see, but we'll, we'll we'll see what happens there. The Dolphins did make another trade, uh, Trey. This one was a bit more obvious once Christian McCaffrey made his way 
the San Francisco 49ers. Brian, you want to throw it up there? We got uh, moving from the Bay Area to South Beach, Mr. Jeff Wilson. Um, not as monumental as Christian McCaffrey going to San Francisco. It's a good Jeff Wilson, He's a good picker. He was on his way to being yeah. the fifth leading rusher for Kyle Shanahan in as many years at San Francisco. How do you like his fit in Miami in the backfield with Raheem Mostert? Well, I mean, just think about what you just said, right? He was going to be the fifth leading rusher in five years for uh, Kyle Shanahan. Where did Mike McDaniel's last work in San Francisco? That's right. With who? Yep. Raheem Mostert, right? Yep. They, they both came over from San Francisco. So the, the thing that makes this trade more intriguing for me is the idea that uh, you have another running back who Mike McDaniels is very familiar with and knows the offense in terms of, of the running game that they want to run. I think this is actually one of those quality sort of not headline pickups that people that people didn't get a lot of uh, didn't attract a lot of attention. But when it's all said and done, might be really beneficial, uh, more so than people are thinking right now because of those factors we just talked about. Yeah, I I uh, I tend to agree. You know, also in the Bradley Chubb deal, uh, Chase Edmonds, who was Miami's backup to Mostert, went over to Denver, um, and and so Jeff Wilson now is gonna you know split the carry. So we'll see we'll see the impact there. I I am very interested. I love you know when Mike McDaniel's was with Kyle Shanahan, he wasn't just the offensive coordinator; he was the run game coordinator. That was his yeah. specialty area. So if anyone can get the most out of those two guys who he has experience with, it's going to be uh, Mike McDaniel. Uh, Brian, let's take a look at the next show. Let's throw it up there. This was this was an interesting one to me, Trey, because this is a guy who I think has all the talent in the world. And Martina Davies, by the way, watching on YouTube, we are going to get – I see your comments, see your questions. Uh, our last segment of the show is when we, we get all these on, so make sure you stick around to uh, get – we're going to answer both of those things. Don't you worry about it. Um, but Chase, Chase Claypool going to the Bears, Trey, uh, all the talent in the world. Uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong. He was the one that didn't give the ball to the ref. Uh, Minnesota game. Minnesota he has game. Some of these first down. Yeah, yeah. He's got some of these boneheaded moments. Can he be the help that Justin Fields so desperately needs? I think he can. And I want to read some numbers to you real quick here. Um, if I have them here. Yeah. So, it makes sense for Claypool because Darnell Mooney leads Chicago in receiving yards and catches with 25, 25 wow. and 364 receiving yards. No other bears wideout has more than 64 receiving yards or 11 catches. And those numbers both belong to Equinemius St. Brown. So there is literally no one else for Justin Fields to throw to than Darnell Mooney. So having, uh, Having him there, I think, absolutely helps. And I got to say, I'm very encouraged about what I've seen out of Justin Fields the last two weeks. It finally seems like the the Bears have designed an offense around his skill set and uh, and things that he he can do well. And, uh, you know, he played pretty well in that game against the Bears, or excuse me, against the Cowboys, even though he didn't touch Michael Parsons and <laughs> jumped, jumped over him, probably went a bit. <laughs> toe tap him or do whatever uh it can't hurt right and the one thing that they can make chase do really quickly is just run down the field go routes nine routes you know yeah. uh and, and and that's something that uh, justin fields has plenty of arm to hit him with um they needed to do something because there's the cupboard was bare outside of darnell mooney to not be a pun on the chicago bears but there just wasn't a lot there yeah so with with that in mind um 
I, I do like the trade. Although if I, I, I'm glad they didn't trade for Ian Book, because then you would have had Ian Book, Cole Komet, and Chase Claypool, and suddenly the Bears are recreating Notre Dame from a couple of years ago. I don't so, know if that's what you want to be doing. Not exactly. That's that's not <laughs> what you want in any way, shape, or form. Oof. So. Sorry to the Golick yeah. family. I know you guys. Yeah. Are yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, I do like the move. Like it can't, I don't think it can hurt and yeah. it can only help. Yeah. And that's, that's desperately what Justin Fields needs is help. I mean, those numbers you, you gave out about the leading receiver for the bears. I mean, that's, that's mind blowingly bad. And you can just, you can have the argument, you know, is it because Justin Fields is struggling to get the ball out? Is it because the offense doesn't have the playmakers? Is it, yeah, it, it could be a number of things, but like you said, the only way to find out, start getting talent around them. We talked about the difference that Stefan Diggs made for Josh Allen, in addition to everything else that Josh Allen's done to improve. You got to get these young quarterbacks, these young athletes, some help, some confidence in who they're throwing the ball to. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. We have uh, two more to get through here. Um, this one, not probably talked about as much as it should be because I don't think he was ever utilized as well as he could have been in Indianapolis. And that's Naheem Hines, um, yeah. a really, really uh, unique player. I don't want to call him a gadget player because I feel like that's diminishing him because um, he can run between the tackles a little bit. Awesome out in space. Trey, is this what the Bills needed to really help get them to that that precipice that they're searching for? No, but it doesn't hurt. Ooh. Like to like to me, like you want know, you know the best move the Bills made? The best move the Bills made was activating Tredavious White. Ah, yep. I mean, you know, people are like, what was the most impactful thing on trade day? And I'm like, Tredavious White being activated. Like that that's significant. Like Tredavious White is a baller, the cornerback for the Bills, if those are not familiar with him, played at LSU uh, and has been out for a while dealing. I think he was, was it a torn ACL. Is that what it was? I think it was a it torn was, ACL. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he's been out for a while. Getting him back speaks volumes, speaks volumes. Um, now, Naheem Hines is a fun toy to have for Josh Allen. And, you know, and, and Zach Moss is now gone. Uh, so uh, they don't have a great running game. I mean, Josh Allen is still the best part of the Bills running game. I mean, that's just the way it is. But it, it, it allows them another opportunity to find a playmaker and put the ball in his hands, whether it's through – running like you said he can do between the tackles or put him out in space so yeah it's it doesn't hurt in any way shape or form but to me by far the biggest move the bills made uh on that day was making sure that Tredavious white is healthy and ready to roll yeah i i uh i think i i agree there i know they're looking for some type of uh, assistance for singletary in the backfield and trying to get that backfield going um but you give josh allen any type of help or weaponry i mean it explosive things uh can happen but you're right the thing that the bills did really really well last year and we are doing a great job of this year we talked about that on this show is with all the talk around josh allen we're not talking enough about how good that defense is and it got better yesterday yeah um, significantly better yeah so really really good stuff there and the final trade to me was the most like interesting from the sense of who it involved and that was the suspended Calvin Ridley, uh, who got Pete Rose this offseason, going over to uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is obviously not a move for this week or the near future because he's suspended for uh, gambling. Um, but he is a talented receiver, Trey. He is. Uh, 
what are your what are your thoughts about this move for the Jaguars? You know, long term. My first thought is Calvin Ridley was suspended for betting on his team to beat the Jags, and now he's a Jaguar. Like that's <laughs> that's that's the first. I mean, that's the first yeah. thing that comes to mind, right? Yeah. That's the first thing that comes to mind. You know, well, shame on you. You know, whatever. And now he's a, he's a Jaguar. So uh, honestly, like. I, I think that it helps because it's going to help Trevor Lawrence and Trevor Lawrence needs help right now. He does. Trevor Lawrence needs help. Like I don't think the Jacksonville Jaguars made a mistake by drafting Trevor Lawrence number one overall. Yeah. And I, I want to be clear about why I say that because everyone, if they'd needed a quarterback and had the number one pick would have taken Trevor Lawrence. Okay. It was not, a debate it was not you know is it this guy or is it another guy by all the metrics everyone uses to draft a quarterback trevor lawrence was far and away the best prospect in the 2021 draft now that doesn't mean it's going to work but it means that everyone if they had been in jacksonville shoes would have absolutely taken trevor lawrence yeah. and it is taking some time uh, some of that was last year with the Urban Meyer fiasco yes, and everything yeah. that Wells on. But, you know, the last couple of games, we've seen Trevor Lawrence make a game-clinching interception for the other team uh, uh, late in the game, you know. And uh, yep. Trevor Lawrence needs help. And I think that Calvin Ridley down the road can be someone that can help Trevor Lawrence hopefully become the player that the Jaguars predicted him to be when they made him the number one overall pick in the draft a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I, I mean, I know I agree with you and I think it's too early to use that B word with uh, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, well, and, and, and again, there's like, there's two things here, right? Like there's busts and there's picks that just don't work out. Right. So and that's are, where I, that, different things. Yeah. We've talked about the value of environment in player development. Yeah. And this is a yeah. situation where, he started out in as bad an environment as a young player could uh, with the debacle that is Urban Meyer. I won't say was because yeah. I don't know that he has ceased being a debacle. Yeah. Sorry for that. Whatever. Um, and so the uh, the so with Trevor Lawrence, any help you can get him. Christian Kirk has been pretty good. He's been decent, yeah. I, I suppose. Um, but Calvin Ridley is another great player you're adding, and you're not going to feel good about evaluating your quarterback. And this goes to Martina's comment about Tua, which we'll get to in a few minutes in the comments there. You're not going to feel good about evaluating your quarterback unless you know that they have enough talent around them to get that fair evaluation. I think this move yeah. does that. Yeah. Um, okay. Moving on to our, our final segment here. But before we do, all of these trades, and Trey mentioned this with Bradley Chubb, uh, prior to that trade, the Dolphins' chances of win or odds to win the Super Bowl at Caesar Sportsbook were, were plus 3,000. After the trade, they moved uh, to plus 3,000. Um, and all <laughs> which is a nice way of saying they didn't move, <laughs> yeah. And, and all of these teams, yeah, exactly. All of these teams, um, either moved or didn't move according to these trades. All of the teams who made these trades, Trey, are hoping it improves their chances to go to the Super Bowl. If there's a team that you were going to place a bet on to win the Super Bowl who made a trade yesterday, go to Caesar Sportsbook and think about putting that bet down if you think this trade is going to enhance those chances. If you think Bradley Chubb makes the Dolphins a better Super Bowl contender, maybe that plus 3,000 not moving is a good value for you 
Go place that bet at Caesar Sportsbook. And if it's your first wager, man, we got a good promo for you. Because if yep. you lose that bet, you're going to get 100% of your stake back as a free bet. And that's good for up to $1,250. And like I said, win or lose, you're also going to get 1,000 reward credits and 1,000 tier credits, which only Caesar Sportsbook is doing. And I have a ton of them. So redeem the offer that we're giving you guys. It's in the comments. I'm giving it to you here. The link is in the comments. Click on it. Go place your first wager using promo code PFNCZR. PFNCZR. And that's at Caesars Sportsbook and PFN. Trey's a little upset because the old promo code we had was a little bit funnier, but we've we've changed it. So I wasn't saying F you. It's all it's all good. It's yeah. All so uh so let's let's move on to our final segment here this is what we do every week this is our super smash quarterback matchup of the week and this one's a little bit of a caveat because it's a would be really cool if it happens and we'll see what happens with well i won't give it just away. just Back put there. up the graphic If Malik Willis starts for the Titans this week, right. I see this as a really, really good battle of the dynamos because I think that's what Malik Willis can be, and it's without question what Patrick Mahomes is. What are your thoughts on that potential matchup, Trey? Well, I mean, you know, if Malik Willis starts, then I think the idea of the Chiefs being a 12-and-a-half-point favorite makes all the sense in the world. Oh. I mean, look. The Chiefs' defense is much better than it's been the last couple of years. Um, I think they're third best against the run right now, um, and they're going to be tested against Derrick Henry. You know, Derrick Henry and the Chiefs. Uh, excuse me, the Titans have after an own two start, they've ripped off five straight wins. Uh, Derrick Henry has a uh, hundred yards rushing in the last four games of that five-game winning streak, and Malik Willis certainly uh, would add to that uh, run total if he's there. But I, I just don't see the if Malik Willis is indeed the starter, I don't see Tennessee walking into Arrowhead and coming out with a win. Um, these are teams that are very successful in completely different directions, in completely different ways. Um, the, the, the Chiefs will slice you and dice you up and down the field no matter how good your defense is and put up 32 points. And the Titans will slug it out with you and slow down the game and, and try and limit your, limit your possessions and, and try and wear you down in the second half with Derrick Henry. So... Um, we, if, if it happens, if it happens, we're going to be looking at, uh, two very, very different squads going forward. Yeah. And just so everyone knows, the reason we're saying if it happens is because Ryan Tannehill didn't play last week. His ankle is still bothering. He's limited in practice today. And there's a real possibility he doesn't play. Right. Um, Trey with Malik Willis as the quarterback last week, the Titans scored their second lowest point total of the season. Um, and for a start, can chalk that up to, to a number of things. But I think, as usual, you're, you're spot on here. Um, I think Malik Willis is going to give you enough things to go, wow, this could be a lot of fun down the road. Um, and that's what I think is intriguing about the matchup. But we will well, we'll see what I mean, yeah, but the other part of this is if Malik Willis is out there or if Tannehill, who the hell are they throwing to, right? A.J. Brown by himself has more receiving yards than the entire receiving core for the Tennessee Titans. 
AJ Brown, former Titan, has more receiving yards by himself than every other wide receiver that has participated in a football game this year for the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, well, as Martina Davies just said, a lamb to slaughter comes to mind for Malik Willis. Yeah. Um, So, wow. Yeah, okay. Uh, Well, if you're really feeling that matchup, Patrick Mahomes over on underdog, uh, you can get him higher or lower at 288 and a half passing yards. That's a well. That's a he's good. averaging over 300 a game, so so I think we might be smashing the higher on that one. And look, uh, underdog is a great way to spice up your fantasy football season. Um, and like I said, you can take the higher on lower on a number of players, offensive players. That is, we just gave you Patrick Mahomes stat projection, um, and when you do that. You can get up to a hundred dollar deposit bonus when you use promo code PFN at sign up. We're giving you guys a ton of promo codes today. Make sure you're clicking them in the comments. We got tons of things to give away for you guys because uh, we know you're spending the money anyway. So go spend it with us and get some get some money back. Um, okay, Trey, uh, great show. Fan segment, real quick. Let's just take a, yeah, co- let's couple, a couple of questions. Good questions. Yeah, Mar- Martina Davies, Chubb can only help uh, Phillips, Jalen Phillips. That is their first round pick from a year ago. And as a pair could make a real def- difference question. I'm Ron Burgundy. Make a, yeah. uh, a who real- put the prompt, who put the question mark in the prompter? Um, no, it, it listen, it could. Absolutely. Um, I, I just, I'm just trying to tamper down expectations. Like you're, you're not getting Von Miller, right? He's right. not that player. You're getting a really good player, but he's not Von Miller. Good. That's the only thing I'm trying to say. Yeah, I like that. Enormous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Martina also adds, uh, clearly, I think a Dolphins fan here, which is always welcome. Uh, yeah. Bookies will be just as shocked as all the media when Tua shows his game is elite and is just getting started. Your boy Dan Orlovsky has come around on Tua, I've noticed, by the way. Yeah. Uh, well, so what are your thoughts there? You, you think bookies will well, be no, amazed? I, I think I think Tua's already showing that, right? Like, just – Look at the look at the numbers when he plays as opposed to somebody else plays quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. And again, a little inflated because of the previous game against the Detroit Lions. <laughs> but indeed. yeah, I, I think here's the other thing that's gonna be really interesting going forward, like just especially this week. Have you seen the splits on the uh, on the Dolphins defense home home versus away? No, tell me. Let me just uh, and again, they're playing the Bears, so this could really be put to the test. Let me find this for you here real quick. While you're looking, I'll note that that Chase Claypool did practice for the Bears and, and will probably get some run uh, on a short Oh, he's definitely going to get some run. Uh, hold on. Uh, Bears, where is this number? Here it is. Gosh darn it, bad words. Here it is. The Dolphins' defense in four games on the road this year. Okay. Yeah. Not in hard rock where they, they have the heat going for them. Uh, they give up 33 points per game allowed. Keep in mind, the Chiefs are the number one scoring offense in the NFL at 31.9 points per game. So yeah. when the Dolphins defense is on the road, they make every team the Chiefs. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they give up 389 yards, almost 390 yards per game. They have no turnovers forced and only four sacks in four road games this year. So the Dolphins defense is great at home. Yeah, and is very very pedestrian so far on the road this year. Now, granted, they're playing the Bears. So it happens. Have a get right game against an offense that is limited. I understand that, but uh, you you are seeing a different dynamic when you look at this team. Yeah, look defensively. 
when you're a defense, no matter where you're playing, if you're making the opposition look like the Chiefs, it's probably not going well for you. Um, we'll take one final question here. It's from Brian Mahaffey. He would like to know your thoughts on the Roquan Smith trade, speaking of the Chicago Bears. Yeah, look, it's a great trade for uh, the Ravens. Roquan will make them better. Um, you know, you put him inside with Patrick McQueen, or Patrick Queen, excuse me. Uh, and Lightning McQueen was a great race car. Absolutely. And Steve McQueen was a great actor, but that's neither here nor there. Um, uh, he's a great tackler. Like the problem for Roquan Smith is he is really, really good at a position very few teams value. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's an off ball inside linebacker. Uh, you know, they're looking to trade for Bradley Chubbs and Von Millers and all those kind of guys. Great point. Way more, way more than an inside linebacker who might lead the uh, league in tackling, might absolutely lead the league in tackling. Uh, again, um, and you know, maybe this is for another show, but a really interesting topic is okay. The Ravens are kind of all in. You know, they go get Roquan Smith. What happens if it doesn't go well this year? What happens? Lamar Jackson's not under contract. Roquan Smith can leave, and they probably won't re-sign him. Like, what happens with Baltimore after this season? I find fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah, we- we pinpointed them middle of last year when we sat down with uh, Andrew Brandt. I'm sorry, Randy Mueller is who we sat down with. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And we talked about this situation, and he said exactly what you said. It's not about this year currently. No. What happens next year? And I Jackson. I mean, the 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 Ravens to me are a fascinating topic. We can do a whole show on that. Whole yeah. Show. And, and depending on how the season goes, we we may just well. Trey, yeah, I am yeah. uh, I legitimately missed my time with you last week while I was away, and I'm glad we got to to do it again this week. How was Disney? Was it good? Good with the kids? Good with the it, fam? It, it was uh, it was magical. It was magical, uh, and I don't say that hyperbolically. I, I mean that was a fantastic, fantastic experience. Um, but I did miss the opportunity to, to talk some ball with, uh, with you, which is always, That's how you went full Tom Brady just took a little vacation off during the season. That's oh, fine. trying to play while being retired. Some might say, <laughs> um, okay, guys, uh, I am Brett Yaris. This is pro football networks, football insiders, and it's called football insiders because the guy on the screen with me is Trey Wingo. And we bring it to you each and every Wednesday at 8 PM Eastern. And that means we'll see you at that same time next week. Have a great Thursday night football tomorrow and week nine slate of NFL games. See ya.